There's my pretty girlfriend. I'm not going with you to Comic-Con. What? Can't a man just be happy to see his woman and pat her on her second most erogenous ball and socket joint? He can, but it's still not changing my mind. Well, maybe what's in my pants will change your mind. <laughs> it's a list of this year's panelists. It's long, isn't it? I'm Wayne Wise, here again. Yep. And if you hear a little background noise, that's because we are recording this one at Three Rivers Comic Con in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's sort of our first live show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sort of. <laughs> yeah, if you've listened to the show before, you know that this started from Wayne and I doing these panels at about a half a dozen other shows where we started um, doing these pop culture panels and academic conferences, comic book conventions, and then we thought, hey, you know, we could record this and then have a show and pretty much do what we were doing anyway. Yeah, we, uh, I, I work at Phantom the Attic in Oakland, as the t-shirt says. Uh, Mav has been a regular for a long time. We essentially have this conversation live every Wednesday afternoon in the store and either amuse or annoy people, depending on your, your personality. So we decided, hey, let's do this and give people the chance to, let, to choose whether they listen to us or not. <laughs> please, please choose yes. <laughs> But, so we're here now, and they were nice enough to ask us to do a live show from the ship, from this show, so we thought we needed a topic, and if you're at a comic book convention, because we're not very imaginative... Let's talk about comic book conventions. That sounds like, sounds like a good idea. Uh, part of what we do, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about just the history of comic cons, and as I, I said before we started recording, please feel free if you have questions, you put up your hand or just yell at us or whatever. We do have a, a microphone up here if you want to walk up, that way you'll, you'll be recorded better. Um, this is just kind of our opinions and our thoughts and we want to kind of talk to you about how you feel it's changed for good or ill or whatever. So, so yeah. So, when was your first comic book convention, Wayne? Uh, PitCon 81 at Duquesne University. Yeah. yeah. How many pe people here? Have you been going to conventions for a long time, just in general? Yeah? Okay. I mean, I've been to a lot of them over the years. And say, so, yeah, it was a, a... There was the Pittsburgh Comics Club at that time. It was an organized comics fandom in Pittsburgh. And I, I didn't live in the city. I grew up a little bit south of here. And and I came up, myself and three friends came up and met Lynn Wein and Marv Wolfman and Dave Cockrum when he was drawing X-Men and that sort of thing. And it was my first time seeing long boxes of back issues. And, and this was really before comic shops were a thing anywhere. Like, Ides was in town. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that at the time, that was really, you know, meeting these people who were just names in, in comic books for me, it was really exciting. I remember, you know, talking to Lynn Wein and being, Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a big name in comics. Uh, little knowing that I would then waste the next 35 years of my life in the comics industry. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Uh, my, first, my first show was 
That was probably 1984-ish, 83. I went to Houston Comic Con, I believe was the very first one. I was, I was visiting my father, uh, my parents were divorced. I grew up in Cleveland, I was in Houston, and I believe that was the first show I went to, which was, like you, it was sort of a magical experience that first time, because it's like, if you live in 2018, comics are all of pop culture. Every, you know, it, it is, as we speak, it is, set, it is Saturday the 19th of 2018, and the biggest movie in the world is a comic book movie called Avengers Infinity War, which we talked about two yeah. weeks ago. In 1981, everyone who knew comic books existed were at that convention. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, in 2018, the second biggest movie in the world is a comic book movie. Right. That's <laughs> in theaters at the same time from the same studio. In 1981, 1984, that was a ridiculous concept. Yeah. That was not going to happen. So, yeah, the world's greatest hero was on TV, and he really wasn't. No. That's, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I went to I went to Houston Comic Con, and having been you know as a kid, but having been a lifelong fan of this for my life up until that point, the idea that there were. I mean, probably, I mean, it seemed huge when I was yeah. 10, but, you know, a couple thousand people yeah. um, who were into comics enough to wander around and spend money on it seemed ridiculous, and, but amazing. And if you, you know, if you grew up in, in the 80s, the way I got comics was I went to 7-Eleven. And what was on the shelf was what you bought. And when it was gone, it, it was gone. No such thing as yeah. back issues. Yeah, there were ten comics for something. I was a big Spider-Man fan, so I had a subscription to Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, that would come to my house. So I had every one of those. And if I wanted an X-Men comic, I went to the corner store and I bought it if I got there in time, and if they bothered to order it. Um, there were, you know, mm -hmm. there might be a there might be a week or a month where oh, we just didn't get. Wonder Woman this month, so nobody gets Wonder Woman that yeah. month. That's just well, and and for me in the early days of the eighties, while there were comic shops starting, the direct sales market had just started. So I was able to buy Marvel and DC and Archie on the newsstand mm -hmm. in my hometown. But if I wanted, you know, ElfQuest or Cerebus or, or any of these things that were independent books, ElfQuest, yeah, the, the nearest comic <laughs> shop, the nearest comic shop was you know sixty miles away. So you just, I, you, it was impossible to buy that stuff. So then you hit, so then I go somewhere. Like um, Houston Comic Con, and then later Cleveland Comic Con. Because once I knew about them, Mom, take me there. This is a, you know, um, and this was this was this was the eighties. It was a different time. So when you're ten years old, I don't I don't know that to this day my mother has ever been to a comic book convention. No. In the eighties, it was okay, fine. She, she dropped me off. I will see you in eight hours, which is amazing. Have fun. Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> and then hopefully she remembers to pick me up eight hours later. Okay, I, I have to share an anecdote. At this first convention I went to, my my friend Fred, who will probably be on the show at some point, um, Fred currently draws. Uh, for Topps cards. He does wacky packages and, and garbage pail kids. Uh, he was an artist. He's a little bit younger than me. When we were, I picked him up to drive to Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh Comic Con. When we were leaving the con, Fred was a teenager at the time, his dad said to him, and I, I'm not 
making this up. He's like, and don't go in the bathroom with anybody. I don't care if he says he's Stan Lee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, which is a story Fred and I have told for you know, 35 years now. <laughs> but that's how comic book conventions worked for you. Yeah. It was, it was, you go there, you, I mean, grown-ups didn't want to go there. And if the grown-ups who were there were the really cool ones who liked kid stuff, kind of like that. And it sort of changed over the years. Yeah. It, it became, like, when, when I first started going, comic books were about buying stuff. Comic books were, uh, comic conventions were, you know, I was, I, like, I'd been, I was a big fan of, I, of Marvel comics more so than DC at the time. So a comic book convention was somewhere I could go and, oh my God, I can buy, 1984, and I can buy a Fantastic Four comic or an Avengers comic from the 70s. Yeah, that's Do people mind- know about this? Right. This is- <laughs> yeah, and it was. It was mind-blowing at mm-hmm. the time. Well, and, and that whole thing, and this is, I'm going to get into a little bit of the didactic history of this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Comic-Con started, you know, like science fiction clubs and fantasy clubs were having small conventions uh, in cities around. Did a little research for this. The, the first official recorded Comic-Con that they called a comic book con was in New York in 1964. Um, There's a couple things before that that were small gatherings of a comic book club. A guy by the name of Jerry Bales in New York. The Academy of comic book fans and collectors, and they had meetings where they traded books. But the, the first Comic Con was 1964. Uh, in 1968, there was the International Convention of Comic Book Art, founded by Phil Suling. Uh, some more history: Phil Suling is essentially the guy who created the direct market, direct distribution system that we still use today. If you're getting your comics from a shop that uses Diamond Comics, direct sales, Phil Suling created that model. Um, Sheldorf in 1970, the Golden State Comic Con. There were 300 people there. It's now called San Diego Comic Con International. Uh, I was there a few years ago, and, and one of the guys who'd been there forever said, you know, the first year there were 300 of us. You probably stood in the line for the bathroom that long today, and, and it's, it's true. Um, so just that kind of change, just the how much a part of not just pop culture, but culture this is. You know, everybody knows what San Diego Comic Con is. Yeah. Um, San Diego Comic Con at this point, if you have a movie that's premiering that you want anybody who considers themselves a geek in America, which is everybody, yes. to, to go, you premiere it at San Diego Comic Con. You have a panel. You have a panel if you have a new TV show. You have a panel if you're selling a video game or a doll. Um, it is amazing. It's not just comic books. Twilight has panels at, yeah. at, at, at San Diego Comic Con. And if you're if you're an old school geek, you sort of complain about it. Yeah, and, well, and that's it. San Diego Comic Con, in many ways, comics are a very small part of San Diego Comic Con these days. And that's been a complaint. You know, that, that the dealer side of it, the comics industry side of it, is taking a back seat to the media side of it. And I do see that playing out in different types of conventions. We've certainly we, we've scattered into, used to be here's a Comic Con, and now there's a sci-fi con and a horror con and a comic book con. I mean, this is more like Three Rivers today is more like the old-fashioned Comic Con I went to in the 80s. Than any other show I've been to in years. Well, we've both we've both written and drawn comics, and we've been we, we've been set up here. And when I first started working, uh, the first comic book convention I ever worked at, I believe I was 15 or 16 years old. I, I worked at a comic book store, so I um, you know went there and with long boxes to sell things, and that was big money. Like comic book conventions, like I said, were about 
about you know buying books that you couldn't find if you didn't have a local comic book shop next to you. Now everybody's got a local comic book shop. Or Amazon. Or yeah, you know, or Amazon <laughs> or eBay. And the conventions change. Well, I, as a speaking as a retailer, I mean, you know, our store we haven't set up officially at a Comic Con as a retailer in five or six years. Right. And some of that is just the the changing culture. And I, I this is this isn't old guy bitching about the way things are. I like Comic Cons in, in all their forms. We're just, here. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Just it's sort of the reality of it is it has changed enough that specifically our store and the way we do business and the types of things that we carry. We're not sure what to set up and bring, right? Uh, because there is so much competition, not just from the other retailers who are set up here, but online. You know, in terms of back issues, it doesn't pay us to run a U-Haul and bring out forty boxes of dollar comics, right? Uh, we don't have a big stock of really high-priced old silver and golden age comics. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of graphic novels, which yeah. you can order on Amazon, which you can order on Amazon, <laughs> or stop at the Barnes and Noble on your way here and not have to pay to get in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've we've really wrestled with, with how to do that and as a result we just haven't for a number of years. But on the other hand, if we think about and we'll talk about the history of comic book conventions ignore the comic book aspect of it. It's a convention. There are conventions for Star Trek. Yeah. There are conventions for Star Wars. There are, I mean, well, there's conventions for science fiction, but there's a specific Star Wars convention yeah. or a lot of them. Doctor Who Star, convention. Star Trek, Doctor Who. And then moving outside of that, My Little Pony has yeah. has conventions. Anthrocon here in Pittsburgh, which is you know, the, the largest, biggest yeah, yeah, furry convention anywhere. So these things exist, and sure, there are tables there. Tekocon. Yeah, Tekoshicon, the anime conventions, which are huge. Right, but there's not, we don't have an 80-year history of My Little Pony books. No, right, right. But there's still a reason to go there. There's a culture, and when I think back about it, that first con for, in 1984 that I went to, I wasn't, I mean, I was there to buy stuff. There were things, but I, it's not like I had a ton of disposable income. I was 10. <laughs> um, I, but I had, you know, I had maybe 40 bucks that I probably blew entirely yeah. there. That took, you know, I could have done that in 15 minutes right. if I wanted to. Um, I was there for eight or nine hours because what, what I was really there was the culture of being with people like me. There, exactly. Like, so that was true yeah. back then as well. Well, that's, I, you know, I came to that convention with two of my friends. They were the only two people I knew in my entire county who also read comics. Right. We were the entire comics culture back home. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and suddenly we're in a room full of 300 other people who know who Marv Wolfman is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and at that time, Marv Wolfman is thrilled. Well, you know, well, it was issue nine in New Teen Titans, so he was, you know, right there in, in terms of his fame and, you know, whatever. There's a, a Tony Isabella, he's a guy, well, actually right now Tony Isabella is very notable. He, if you don't know who he is, he invented Black Lightning, the, the comic book character. Um, he owns a, he owns a comic book shop in Cleveland, or I don't know if he still does, but when I was a kid, he owned a comic book shop in Cleveland, not the one that I worked at, but I knew him from there. And I went to Pittsburgh Comic Con, which is defunct, but it's, it was a local convention that we had here. Uh, and, and Tony was set up there. So I took my roommate at the time, because um, he was a big fan, and I said, I'm going to introduce you to Tony Isabella. And 
and he's like, who's that? And he's like, oh, Black Lightning guy. Oh, yeah, he invites Black Lightning. So we talked to Tony for a while, and then as Jamil, my roommate, was talking to him, he's just like, wait a minute, you wrote Salem 7. And then, then so they, they suddenly have this huge conversation where Tony's like, oh my god, you read Salem 7? And she's like, of course, and nobody read Salem 7. So at, at this point in time, that could happen. And yeah. They were, and yeah. What was nice about the community was they were, and they, you know, now we. Yeah. But here's there. It's when I realized that the creators are as happy to meet you and share in this experience as we were to meet them. And then they they've always been really very accessible. I mean, that's true at this con. There's some people here, you know, name dropping Ron Friends, who is sitting out here signing books and doing sketches. Ron's been drawing comics for going on 40 years, and he's worked for Marvel. He's worked for DC. I met Ron Friends at that PitCon 81, that first convention I ever went to, before he made his first sale to Marvel. Uh, I remember Ron because he was showing his portfolio around to editors at that show, and he was awesome. <laughs> and, you know, within a year, it's like, oh, here's an issue of Star Wars with Ron's name on it. So he was able to make those connections at that con and build a career out of it. Tim Truman, who's back here, who did Scout and Grimjack and then lots of other stuff, I had a conversation with him at a convention in Erie in, like, 1985 or 86 that, you know, as a writer and an artist, he talked about comic book layout and storytelling. I had a 15-minute conversation with him that was absolutely eye-opening and profound in terms of the way I think about writing and creating comics. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and same, same respect. So even before, this still happens, but back in that day when we had fewer cons, there's there's a comic book convention somewhere within driving distance of you every week now. <laughs> you might have to drive an hour or two, yeah. but you can always you find I, something. Right, I have friends who are, who are very big into cosplay, and some people in, in this room are dressed up, and I know people who literally go to a con every week, not to buy things, Cosplay is just sort of it's part, part of, of the culture, culture. yeah. Part. So people will drive there, but like at that time, this is how I met Ron. I worked in a comic book store. This is a very different time. The comic book store in my hometown, as I said, I grew up outside of Cleveland, a town called Lorain, Ohio, was not big enough to support just being a comic book store, which is astounding now. So we shared. My, I worked in a comic book store inside of a butcher shop, and <laughs> a butcher shop in Delhi. I'm not joking. Yeah. I worked in a comic place called, it, and it's not there anymore, but I, 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 when I was 15 years old, I worked at Baker's Meats and Deli Comic Books and Games. <laughs> and it was a comic book store and a meat shop, and we had a signing, because signings were big business at the time, and we invited Ron Friends there. So I know Ron from, he came to my store to sign things and eat sandwiches. And he would, <laughs> and, 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 I bet you Ron could throw away some sandwiches yeah. if I know Ron. Uh, so <laughs> but now, but now we have we live in a different world. Now we live in a world where again, there's a comic book shop everywhere. The the fact that I grew up in a small town outside of Cleveland with a comic book shop that was weird. Now there are four. There. My small town got its first comic shop about two years ago. Yeah, I, I, I thought it would never happen. Two years ago, and we, we got a comic and shop. The population of your town is your parents. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just started selling my books. I <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but, but we have, again, we have a comic convention we can go to somewhere mm-hmm. every week. I mean, within 200 miles, uh, there's no way, yeah. there's not a week, there's not a comic shop. And, and they're all sizes, because, you know, there, there used to be, and there still are, this is sort of that, there were these small holiday in comic convention mm-hmm. on a Sunday where just, you know, 12 dealers would set up and trade books back and forth. The first one I worked as an artist, I was 16 years old. Jubilee Show. Yeah, I yeah, the, there, there was a chain in this area in the, the 80s, Jubilee, a woman by the name of Gail, I forget Gail's last name. Gail had a comics convention someplace in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Ohio every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, literally every weekend. And 100 people would show up yeah, and you and, and, and Gail was happy to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but now, I mean, this, this, is a, this is a small show, relatively. There's got to be a thousand people in that yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you mentioned the cosplay. That's, that's definitely something that I see that has changed. I mean, costuming and cosplay has been a part of comics conventions pretty much from the beginning. And that started sci-fi cons and yes, fantasy absolutely. cons. I mean, if you start poking around online and look up old comic book cons, you will see people in costume in 1964 or whatever. What I see is the changes. In, at PitCon 81, cosplay was from 3 to 5 on Sunday afternoon during the contest. Yes. People didn't wear costumes all weekend. They went and changed before the costume contest, did the costume contest, and then changed back right. into their regular clothes. They, they were there to shop. Yeah, they were there. Yeah, and, 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 the, and, and the costume thing was very much this you know, this thing, just mm-hmm. very specific, and it was fun. But you know, now like you come in the morning in your costume and you bring four or five changes depending on the length of the con. I think that's great. I mean, it, it adds such an amazing feel to the entire convention. But it's definitely a change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and, and the anime con. I know when we were we were setting up a techo as mm-hmm. as Phantom, and you know, ten even ten fifteen years ago, like that was that's the first con I ever went to where like oh ninety eight percent of the people here are in costume all weekend. Mm-hmm. If you're not in costume, you why stand you out. Yeah, yeah, why are you here? Right? Yeah, I'm an old retailer. <laughs> I'm just trying to sell stuff. I'm sorry. But, but the energy of that, I mean, that brings something to the entire situation that I, I think is really pretty amazing. Absolutely. Um, another thing that changed when, I, I think the first, uh, when we first started selling my comic book, Cosmic Hell Cats, it was from 2008. It was, uh, we, we premiered at Pittsburgh Comic Con. And there were movies. But movies, even in 2008, 10 years ago, the movies at Pittsburgh Comic Con, there was a room in the back where you were watching, let's have a screening of this random anime from 10 years ago. And that was, that was it. That was manga yeah. and anime. In fact, I don't think this is going back. People didn't even always call it anime. It was Japanimation. Yes. Um, yeah. Which yeah. was which was sort of the unofficial term that everybody knew it by because if you said anime, people would be like, "What?" what? And then you Japanimation, you're like, "Oh, we can go watch Robotech." You know that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Robotech and Star Blazers. Akira. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting. That's like two hours. That's, you have to give book, book and, out some time for and, that. And that's an event. Yeah. Astro Boy. Yeah. 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 Kimba. <laughs> So that so so it was it, but it was very much a niche thing. Yeah. And then I would say, I mean, we, we could talk about the history of you know going back. The first official con was thirty nine or something like that. And like science fiction science convention, fiction yeah. Convention. And then 
the comics ghettoize themselves after Worth and after Seduction of the, uh, of the Innocent, and the comics almost disappear. Superhero comics did disappear, but for three exceptions. Three, yeah. Um, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. Comics almost disappear, but there are these devoted fans who sort of keep it alive yeah. during the comics culture. I'd say comic, uh, comic book conventions are one of the reasons the industry survived. Oh, absolutely. And in the 80s, even even more so, because I remember going, being able to go to a newsstand or a drugstore and buy Marvel, DC, Archie Comics. Once the direct sales thing hit, you know, like newsstands and, and drugstores stopped carrying a lot of comics, if any. Yeah. I mean, the only place you could go to get comics were your local comic shop. And as I said, locally, we didn't have a comic shop until two <laughs> years ago. Um, so the the comic shop, I and, and this is a much bigger conversation right. about comics business and, and the industry, but I think the direct sales market saved comics because they, they were dying in, in newsstands and, and that sort of place. And I, I do think without an outlet to buy them, they would have gone away. So I think direct sales saved comics as an industry, but it put it in a ghetto. If you weren't already a fan in 1987, you didn't know they existed. You were never going to find them. Yeah. So you went to conventions, and, and I do think that kept absolutely kept the, the thing alive. So conventions keep the, keep the comic book alive, and you know, thank God because we have careers today. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but but I'd be home on the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> At your parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, he comes from a he comes from a very rural area. Your we, lawn your lawn is five hundred acres. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it would take you a while. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not joking. <laughs> um, so the convention keeps keeps the comic book alive. It, it, it's you know it ghettoized it, but there's just these devoted fans who are like, no, this is this is my thing. These are my people. And what's interesting is that you talk about how this show came about with us having sort of an academic background. When I started, and I'm, I'm being lucky, when I started my PhD six or seven years ago, there was still question about, wait a minute, you are getting a PhD in literature. What are you studying? And I'm like, Batman. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I mean, don't can, you? can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wouldn't you rather wouldn't you rather read James Joyce? No, no, Batman's good. I, I like Batman. Uh, so, what was interesting when I was when I was doing a lot of research for my dissertation, and I, I looked at sort of the I had to do um, what's called a literary review um, for my spec exam, where it was there was a point three years ago where when you're sort of leading into your dissertation, you're supposed to do all the research in your specific specialization so that you know everything. So my job, if I was reading if I was reading Joyce, I would read everything that someone's written about Joyce in the last hundred years. So when I started reading, <laughs> when I started doing comic book research, I was like, well, let me do all the research on academics in comic books. And so I start in, let's think, where, where, where's a good place to start? Well, when did comic books start? 1939. Super, and, and just as a side note, this is how academia is treated in comics. If you're not talking to a comic book academic, when I was doing my spec exam, I kept seeing, I said several times, the golden age of comics, the golden age of comics. Golden age of comics. And my, Action Comics number one, right, 1938. Right, right. And, uh, and, we all know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's, that's what happened. My, yeah. one, one, of my, one of my committee members said, you keep saying the golden age of comics. Is that just a rough term? And I was like, 
No. And he's like, well, when, when did the, when, you know, when is the Golden Age of Comics roughly? And it's like, it's not roughly, it's Action Comics number one, yeah. May, thir- May 1938. And he's like, how, how do you know that? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? It's like, well, is that written down somewhere? And it's like, I mean, maybe it's just something I've known since I was seven. I don't know. <laughs> Because there's not an established academia well, for this that until the, recently. That yeah. was the problem. So I did my academic research, and the academic research in comics starts in 1940-ish, where where um, there are some articles. Where, where there, there are some articles where people are like, "Hey, we think there's something happening here." This is, uh, um, for instance, uh, uh, Picasso was a big comic book fan. I don't know if you know that. So there was so there were, so people were sort of writing about the modernist art movement and how it was affected by and affected comics. And that goes up until 1955 with Frederick, Frederick Wirtham's Seduction of the Innocent, where people were like, oh no. Oh, no <laughs> we can't do that anymore. And then there's a gap in, in academic research from 1955 to 1987. There's nothing written. There was that one book, I, I read this as yeah. a kid, I got to Scholastic, you could order from you know, a catalog when you're in sixth grade or whatever. There was a, a collection of essays called All, All, All in Color for a Dime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Don Thompson, Don Thompson, something like that, who ran Comics Buyer's Guide, which is a weekly newspaper forever, uh, collected a collection of essays about Golden Age comics and Silver Age comics. And I read this when I was like 10, 11 years old in, in you know, 1970, 71. And my first thought is, wait a minute, there were comics for 20 years before I was born? <laughs> I'll never get to read them. Yeah. <laughs> how, how would you know? Yeah, and, but that was my first introduction. Mm-hmm. to that idea of there having been comics before me and a lot of them that you've never heard of but also people talking about this stuff really seriously like they, they were doing it was academic work in a non-academic yes. setting well that's what I just, that's what I just yeah. there was this gap when it, there was this gap from 1955 till 1987 a couple of years into the a couple of years into the bronze age because you know which yeah. again I just know because I don't know how, same reason all you all of you know and um, and they're like well so I they're like well you can't have a 37 year gap in, in scholarship and I thought about it I was like wait a minute there's not a 37 yeah. year gap in scholarship so what you start doing is you go to the zines you go to comic buyers Stryker's history of, of comic books yeah. Ron Goulart did a history of comic books but mm-hmm. but all non not recognized academically academically because they were so ghettoized the comic book fan culture the convention you could, culture you could buy them at conventions just right. kept it alive <laughs> and and I mean, we're doing a panel here, but these panels have been going on since 1939 in little back rooms of malls like <laughs> like this one. Where okay, to be fair, at San Diego Con, I attended their their well, comics academia panels. There weren't this many people there. No, I mean, no. they, they were some pretty hardcore academic papers. <laughs> uh, and and oddly enough, more people were going to see the Twilight display than the comics academia. Well, yeah. but, but that's but that's kind of the thing. What happened was comic book academia, well, academia in general sort of yanked itself away. It's like, no, we're doing serious scholarship here. And again, <laughs> this isn't a convention, it's a conference. It's a conference. <laughs> and I go to a lot of these. But um, but the comic book fan culture sort of said, well, no. And there are serious discussions about, you know, what does it mean to wear a mask if you're Batman? What does it mean to um, to... Uh, 
people keep saying Batman and, and Robin are gay. Well, let's think about this and let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And those things. Now, there's also but a lot. One of woman as a feminist icon. Right. Let, let, let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about that. And those those talks have, have been happening in rooms like this for 80 years. Now, there are also rooms where people are just well. I think the Hulk could beat um, Superman. <laughs> and what? Uh, maybe if he had a if he caught him by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but, so there are talks like that that don't necessarily aren't necessarily useful as me. much fun as they can be yeah uh, I, I mean I've engaged in many of them yeah <laughs> no, not, um, but the, but w- what was great about the comic book convention is it sort of it made people think and the thoughts that I'm having when I'm seven years old eight years old and I'm having arguments with teachers about you know what you know what are you reading and it's like I'm I'm reading Secret Wars um, <laughs> and it's like well can't you read a real book I'm like this this is a real book it's, it's Secret Wars <laughs> and or, or I mean, heaven forbid. Two years later, I'm reading Watchmen. Yeah. And no, no, trust me, yeah. this is a real, it's book. a real book. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, it's got pictures. No, no, Watchmen is a real book. And this is the kind of place where people sort of said, no, no, we see something's going on now. Now, 2018, Watchmen's absolutely a real book. Um, 2018, Mouse won a Pulitzer Prize, but yeah. that, but that was that was not true at one point. Yeah. And this kind of culture kept it alive as the mainstream sort of begins to accept it, as the mainstream sort of begins to, well, I mean, nobody doubts that Mouse or Watchmen or Persepolis are serious artwork now. Um, and nobody doubts that Avengers or Deadpool, which came out yesterday, um, are popularly accessible films. So now regular people um, <laughs> like sort of, sort of are, are, are in on our thing and that means that our culture has to change and you know I'm making fun of it but I don't think it's necessarily bad to be inclusive to Twilight fans yeah it, it's not because I, at the end I, of the day at the end of the day the Twilight fans that we make fun of and trust me I do um, <laughs> and, or or the Fifty Shades of Grey fans who we make fun of I've been, made, I've, been, I've been made fun of for being an ElfQuest fan yeah, yeah and, and, that's, and that's the thing like yes and yes we say well they're not real comic book fans what are what there, there are several women in this room, and I'm sure every single one of you has dealt with. You're not a comic book fan. You're a girl. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and yeah. The, the, the fake fan. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, like, we and, yeah, and another end. We we had a, a young woman working in our store. She was one of my students. I taught a, I taught a class in comics and pop culture at Chatham University a couple times. Abby, she's been on the show. Yeah, oh yeah. Abby's been on the show. Uh, and Abby is you know, was brilliant in my class, without a doubt, my star pupil. But she worked at, at Phantom for a while. And you, one of our customers made the mistake of asking if she actually read comics, and that did not go well for him. <laughs> and nor should it. But, no, and, yeah, and and that's you know, but at the end of the day, every every wrote a thesis on you, Winter Soldier. Yeah, well, how Captain America represents America and how that changes from the 1940s till now, and it was really incredibly well well researched. Got her into grad and, school and, and brilliant. Yeah, and got her into grad school, and and he's like, do you actually read comics? No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 
but that's but that's the thing. Like, if, so if you're going to, for one thing, I think everybody here knows that comics is not just Superman and Batman. Comics is a lot of things, and Abby knows more about them than most people, which is why she worked at the store, which is why she got to go to grad school, which is why she's been on the show. And the the idea that you know you're sort of gatekeeping, you're being exclusive to well, you haven't been reading, you don't you don't know who you know what what Spider Man villain the Ringer's real name is Anthony Davis. <laughs> you don't know these things, so you're not a real fan. Well, why not? Why can't yeah. you be a real fan if you are a fan of well, Twilight or, and, or or My Little Pony? Well, and I, when I went to that first Pittsburgh Comic Con, as I told you, I knew two other people who read comics until I walked into that and room. And you were nerds. And, and we were nerds. We were made fun of for all of it. Forget ElfQuest. We were, we were made fun of for all of it. Yeah. And that, that whole idea of not being inclusive, I spent the first two decades of my life wishing I knew more people who were into this. You know, I, I felt completely That's alone. Why these shows exist? Yeah, yeah. And so, so that whole idea of gatekeeping and keeping other people away from it. No, join my community. Come be a part of this. I, you know, I was alone for so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so, so, so we do. So, we, so the doors opened up, and you can go, and you can, you can be a Twilight fan, and then people. There was some making fun of, but I think we're getting to this point now where people sort of understand. Wait a minute, there's more to comics than just um, mm-hmm. than just what I read. Nicole, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, she she talks about in her classes. Nicole is a friend of mine who also teaches comics, and she says she opens up her class and says, "Who's a comics fan?" And every kid raises their hand. So, what's your favorite comic? And well, I like the second Iron Man movie. I, you know, there. <laughs> but but here's the thing: if you're at this show. There are people who come to comic book conventions whose entry in the comic books isn't the comic read, books. Read in action comics number one. Yeah. It's seeing the Avengers movies. It's yeah. seeing Teen Titans go. It's um, or it's Adventure Time, which wasn't which wasn't a comic book first. There's, yeah. car, there's cartoons yeah. like that. Watching Riverdale. But yeah, watching Riverdale, which we we, we did. A, yeah, if you guys haven't heard the Riverdale show that we did last week. It was so much fun. It was so much. Go fun. download the Riverdale show. <laughs> um, and if you're not watching Riverdale, watch. Riverdale, the best show on television. Shameless plug number one. Go download our show. Yeah, go download our show. <laughs> um, but going, going back and thinking about... I didn't start reading comics by going out and buying Action Comics number one. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. You know how I started reading comics? Watch the Super Friends when I was a kid. Yes, my, my mom bought comics. My mom was, an, is, was and is an avid reader, read to me incessantly when I was a kid. Uh, children's books and books and comics were part of it. I really have no memory of not having comic books in my life. They have always been there. And, but yeah, but it wasn't Action Comics number one. It was Dennis the Menace number 137 or whatever, you know? And I, and I started because I was, you know, I was watching the Batman TV show. Yeah, um, yeah. I was watching Super Friends as a kid. Well, and you know, Superman as a TV show in the fifties was mm-hmm. insanely popular. So other media have always brought people to mm-hmm. comics, and and that's how you know, and that's how you get in. And then if you think about, you know, even real comics, Road to Perdition. 
Academy Award film wrote tradition. Started out as a comic Started book. Started out as a comic book. Nobody no knows. No one knows that. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but it is an art form, and people do know that here, which is great. And that's sort of, that's sort of I think, why this culture is sort of important, yeah. and why I think it's great that... I, I think we're getting past the point where uh, you don't belong here, you're a Twilight fan. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's still happening on Twitter, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, and, and those people yeah. moved, and those people are assholes. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, yes. Don't yes. be that guy. Yeah, don't, don't be that guy. Well, I mean, the, the networking that has always taken place, like, I, you know, I met you through the store, but the number of people that I know who are good friends of mine now that I met through comics conventions, I mean, this entire thing. If you're coming here as a fan, you meet other fans who are interested in the things you're into. If you're coming here as a comic book creator, you meet other people who are, who are creating comic books. Uh, that sort of networking is good for everybody. You meet fans of the stuff you're into, you, you, you expand your, your network of creative people, academic people, mm -hmm. friendships, you just want people to hang out with. And oddly enough, periodically, Mav and I will have a conversation that has nothing to do with comic books. <laughs> I, it's weird when that happens. The moon's also blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm curious, you know, we've got some time. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what other people think. How, who's, is, is anybody here as their first show? Perfect. Okay. Welcome. It's your, it's your first show. Thank you for joining yes. us. Who's been, who's been here, um, who, who's, how many people have been to 10 comic book shows? 15. <laughs> 20. I'm trying to see who's been to the most. 40. <laughs> All right. I want to hear just to start with. I'd love to hear from the person who's on at their first show and their and their fortieth show. <laughs> if you guys don't mind, I just love to come on up. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? For, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to come up, or I can bring the mic back to you if you're more comfortable sitting back there. Yeah, because I'd love to know. You don't have to talk. But yeah, I'd love not to know. You what do you think? Book. What made you come? If nothing else. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. What's your name? My name's Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi, Allison. Um, well, I work at the movie theater part-time, so I you know, watch all the comic book movies that usually they, when they come out before anybody else sees them. Um, my, my dad raised me on comic books, and he was mad that his brothers or his sons didn't get into it. <laughs> Are you like the last chance? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> family that was actually... Keep my legacy alive! <laughs> so, I mean, he, he was a big fan of Cat's America. She's got, she's, people can't see, she's got a Captain America shirt on, which, and, and hoodie, which is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> and and so I, I have all the posters from the movies. I have like a giant banner in my house. My boyfriend's not too happy with how I set up the apartment. But, um, he's wrong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, this, this is me. I've always wanted to go to the Comic Con. I just, I don't have many friends that were into comics, so I was like the outcast. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah. So, That's great. So you having fun so far today? Yeah. What? I guess in terms of expectations, what have you found here today that you weren't expecting, or or just like, impression? Every, like friendly, everyone is. Like you, you don't see one bad person that's judging you for anything. It's all like uh, we welcome you. Yeah. You guys are talking about everybody's so welcoming. That's great. 
Yeah. That was my experience that first one as well. I mean, we, when we came up, we met some of the people in the Pittsburgh Comics Club, and they're like, join our tribe. You know, just very much so from the moment we got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, yeah. like, if you go and something about something, they're like, here, let me teach you. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you into a new fandom. Yeah, and, and I think that's, I think that's what I love. I, I hate when I hear stories about um, something going badly at a con. Mm-hmm. I love when I when I find out people were, hey, I think the best thing that can happen for our industry is things like someone walks into the store and says, I saw I saw Deadpool yesterday. Deadpool came out. I am not a Deadpool fan. I, I enjoyed the first film. I haven't written my review of yesterday's film yet. No, that was all right. I mean, it's, it's fine. But if somebody shows up at the store because they read Deadpool and, you know, buys two more comic books ever. It allows me to keep a job. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> me too. I mean, the, the yeah. fact that the fact that like I live in a world where I can do a dissertation on comics for a living. You know, seven-year-old me would be like, yeah. just laughing in my face, yeah. like, no, yeah. no, that's never yeah. going to happen. So that, so that's great. So and the, the fact that I live in a world where now hundreds of thousands of people know who Shatterstar is. <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's still a good thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's debatable. Yeah, but but, um, but we're kidding. But yeah. but I, I think that's great, and I think it's, you said it's welcoming, and that's that's what I hope con culture always is. Yeah, it, it should be. Every time I hear I hear a story about someone saying you're a girl, why are you here? That's awful, and it's also awful. If, you know, you're you're a brony, you're a Twilight fan, like, and and that that should be. Yeah, hey. Let's, what can what can we meet yeah. and talk about? And, well, and, and that is one of the other changes is we have the the proportion of men to women. And yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Allison. Yeah, thank you, Allison. The yeah the. Uh, the, the proportion of men to women is something that I've definitely seen change. There are a lot more women into this hobby now. I mean, that first convention I went to, there were like 12 women there. I, that may be an exaggeration, but not, not much. much. And 10 of them were there just with their boyfriends. And once again, that's a cliche, but it, there's a tremendous amount of truth to it. And, I, and, and, and those were the only 10 guys at the convention who had, who had girlfriends, right, yes. which is why they brought them. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's not true anymore. It's not true anymore. And I, I'm married somehow. I don't know <laughs> I have been on dates. <laughs> um, well, and then you know, at, at the store, now, you know, our store is we're sandwiched between University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon. So that location gives us a, a I think we've always had a, a better percentage than a lot of stores. But you know, that is 20 years ago, I would say that 60 to 70 percent of our clientele were men. Mm-hmm. For the under 30 year olds, it's dead even at this point. We are easily 50-50 men and women coming in our store and that's fantastic. Um, and reading a variety of And reading a variety of books. Um, what's, I mean, again, I love superheroes but I am so happy to find out that, you know, I, I don't care about zombies at all but Walking Dead sells and thank God yes. something else, there's something else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that there's sort of, there is variety. Yeah. I, and that's, there's, there's something for everybody. I mean, my, my job is people come in and want when you what can I read my job is 
finding out your taste and pointing you towards something that you will like, whether it's my taste or not. And having a wider, from 20 years in the industry, I have a wider variety of things to pick from than I did 20 years ago. A couple of years, uh, so again, my wife's not not classically a, uh, a comics fan. She's afraid to come in the store. Yeah, but she likes Sherlock Holmes, and so every, so every every month I buy a Sherlock Holmes comic core that she's, she's reading the new series just started. Um, she read a series about tennis that I couldn't have cared less about a couple of years ago, so there's, there's, there's lots of things. I would like to hear from the gentleman. You said you've been like... Yeah. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, come on up. Yeah. What, what's your name, sir? First of all, thank you, Paul, for this great. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah, thank you. It's, uh, you're working under uh, uh, tough conditions in this show. <laughs> uh, what's, your, what's your name? My name's Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. I went to my first big comic convention in 1975. Nice. Oh, wonderful. It was a Phil Sulling creation yeah. in New York City. It was my first trip to New York City, so it's a double reason why I wanted to get it. And it was just so different than the way it is now, and I'm not going to be the grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the worst. I mean, there's been some good things and some bad things. Mm-hmm. But my takeaway from that is that it was great to interact with people, to, with fellow fans, and with uh, the professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pressure of people pulling up in different directions. I remember my guy, uh, Don McRae, Craig Russell, they pulled some chairs together and just had an impromptu. Uh, uh, I guess they call it back then a rap session. With the, with yeah. The they couldn't do that nowadays. I mean, there'd be so many people pulling on and pushing on. But uh, I've seen a lot of great things happen. Some things I'm not so happy about. But uh, my takeaway is I hope people don't ever lose sight of the fact this is all about something that you love and it's about fun. I mean, I grew up in a real small town, which all I had in my comic books. And I've never thought one day people that were founding fathers of comics. Sheldon Lobov, Erwin Jason, I mean, they, they became friends. I mean, the Lord Martin Odell, who created Greenland, him and his wife, were my house kids. They, they were fantastic. We had them at the store a couple of times. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I'm going to keep coming until I can't go anymore. Yeah, and, uh, and that's that's kind of a humbling thing when people say, how come you haven't been to San Diego? I consider myself a good help, but it would be a burden to me. And their lines. Just better let that one pass by. And I love going to these local shows. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. We're coming up on the end of our hour in this space. Somebody's coming in next. So if anybody has any final comments or questions or whatever. Yeah. I've got about five minutes left. Okay. So. I was just going to bring up that, uh, you know, we're talking about how conventions have changed over time. And while you most of the things you find in standard vendor room, you can order on Amazon, you can Absolutely. find it, you know, GameStop, best mm. Um So it's not as much people finding the really rare stuff there anymore, but I do find that people going to find the, the independent artists and crafters that is exploding. Yes. Looking to see what other fans are making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a big change. I, I I actually didn't get to enjoy the era of 
uh, when it was all about finding the really rare collectibles mm-hmm. yeah. from vendors, but um, from a lot of people I know, they said, well, it used to be, but now everybody goes straight to the artist alley. And, and, and that's great. We've both written and drawn comics, and we've sat in artist alley, and that's great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's a great way I've discovered not only friends, but a tremendous amount of really good work. It's something you would never know existed if you didn't see those people at a con. And, you know, and, yeah. And not just, I mean, what's great about what's great about the modern con is, is you can, it's not just even seeing, picking up an independent book, um, which is great, but also, there's something to be said for, you could just go and, oh, there's a guy who makes, um, who just draws, just likes to draw and just does. And he's really good. And he's, and he's really good, and he's just doing custom, doing custom artwork. Some of it, some of it, not even classic comic book style. There's, I've been to a show where a guy had a booth where, um, or a couple, and they just made superhero inspired jewelry. So you could just buy yeah. a, you know, a, yeah. a pair of Wonder Woman earrings or Captain America necklace. There was whatever. that one guy set up selling rain gutters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, yeah, that was, that, 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 I, I always thought he should be set up between the panels. And I, oh gosh. <laughs> But the, but yeah, there was a guy. There was a guy who sold gutters at the. Yes. And and the thing is, he, he was selling. Really, he looked really bored. He was, yeah, but I did Pittsburgh Comic Con, which is the show that where where the rain gutter guy was at. I did it. I don't know six or seven times um, as as a as a um, as a creator, and I probably went five or six times as a fan before that. So ten years. He was always there. He was always there. So, so means, somebody was buying rain gutters. Yeah, that, that means that, and, and, you know, people who read comics need gutters too. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so sure. I mean, like, uh, uh, apparently there's enough of a culture that justified him being there. Yeah. So. So, all right. I, I would, I'd like to thank you all for being yes, here. Yes. This is a bigger crowd than we expected. Yeah. We didn't know what to expect. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Give yourself a round of applause. Yeah. 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 This has been great. Uh, you know, we hope that you subscribe to the group on, on iTunes, on Facebook. You'll see uh, the way the show usually works is we post a topic every week of, hey, here's what we're going to talk about. Usually it's something relatively geeky just because it's our show and we're both pretty geeky. Um, but it varies. Next week's show, for instance, isn't about – the show's about pop culture, not just comics. So next week's show is going to be about uh, some issues – of racism that have been going viral in the media lately and racism and sexism on college campuses. Uh, last week's show was... Riverdale. Was, yeah. was Riverdale. Archie and Riverdale. Uh, the week before that, we did Avengers, uh, Infinity War. The week before that, we did Religion. And, yeah. and so it, so it, var- it varies. The way the show works is we have a topic that is posted on uh, online. We write a little blog post about it. We encourage you guys to come and comment with your thoughts on Facebook or on the blog, and then we will talk about them during the, during the show. Sometimes we we ask people who comment if they would like to call in and just be on the show with us. So, um, but thank you all for coming. Yes, uh, I would like to thank. 
Maximilian Bachhorn Music, who's, who wrote our theme song. And if you, for the people who are new to this, you'll hear our very long, very, <laughs> very dramatic theme music, which is playing right now. Yep. Uh, uh, thank, follow, follow, yeah. Thanks to Rivers Con for having us. Yeah, thank you for Three Rivers Comic Con. I hope the rest of you enjoy the rest of Three Rivers Comic Con. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Chris Maverick and also on chrismaverick.com. I'm at Wayne Wise, although you'll never actually see me on Twitter. <laughs> I have a blog that's Wayne, uh, www.wayne-wise.com. There's a lot of W's in there. Right. And, I, uh, and I'm www.chrismaverick.com with no hyphens. <laughs> well, that, there was a rodeo announcer by the name of Wayne Wise who has waynewise.com. And that guy rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for coming. Thanks. Thank We're you for out. listening. And we will see you next week. Sounds like everyone's staying home. What do you say? Nuts to that, I'm going to Comic-Con. <laughs> By yourself? Not necessarily. I have four months to find some new friends. I'll go with you. It's very kind of you, Stuart. Check back in with me in July. <laughs>